0: Would you guys uh, pray with me uh, one more uh, time? God, I, uh, Lord, just such an overwhelming, in in so many great ways, Father, overwhelming morning. Um, Father, just driving in and, and uh, a kid, a 20-year-old kid using his gifts to DJ in a parking lot for a church, Father. Um, Father, for Ellie and a teenager using her gifts to pray, read scripture, and lead us in a new song. And and Father, those that are young, those that are old, those that are, um, Father, young at heart, as they say, um, but Father, it takes all people to serve and to build your church as, as you are the focus. And so, Father, I thank you for all the men and women this morning that are, are being used by you to build, um, not this church, but your church at large, um. Father, I pray, Father, this our heart to reach all of Tom's River will not happen with one church. Um, and so, Father, um, as we prayed earlier, we're praying again, Father, would you... Um, Would you use New Life Church? Would you use Vital? Would you use Ocean County Baptist, Father? Would you use Faith Baptist, Father? Would you use the Assembly of God Church, the Presbyterian Church, Father? Uh, The countless churches in Tom's River that preach your gospel message, Father, reaching people that we could never reach and vice versa, Father. Would you use your church in Tom's River to spark a revival in a community that needs Jesus Christ, Father? The 92% of people that do not go to a gospel-believing church in Tom's River, Father, would you use us collectively for your gospel message? Uh, we love you, Jesus, in your name, amen. amen. My, uh, my mom uh, was in town, she just left, uh, uh, helping us out with the kids and whatnot, and, uh, and we were, went for a walk yesterday, walking our dogs and kind of reminiscing a little bit, because uh, I was going to a, a youth event, stepping in and helping out the youth group just a little bit, and yesterday uh, we went to Laser Tag, but it was like Black Ops, and it was like paintball, and like... I don't know, but I got to snipe my son, and it was great. Uh, and so, uh, and so it was just kind of reminiscing back to my youth group days of uh, being a youth pastor and whatnot. I was like, "Oh yeah, we're going, uh, we're going to a Terror Behind the Walls uh, in October." And, uh, and that was something we used to do at Bayside and that they take like Eastern State Penitentiary and they turn it into this big like uh, haunted house, not really haunted, but just like a scary house to use that term language. Uh, and, uh, and so it's, it's, it was awesome. I'm like, I'm just so hopeful that Landon tinkles himself during it. And, uh, and so, uh, but anyway, so we were talking about that. And I was like, do you remember that haunted house uh, by our house in, uh, in Bow, New Hampshire? And uh, so small town, small New England town, no one here has ever heard of Bow, New Hampshire. And, uh, but right next, uh, right up the street from us was this like in the community, well known haunted house. Uh, that uh, I heard is like super scary and uh, and so every year all of October uh, I, mean, I was in my senior superlative was like the most outgoing and uh, so I would talk a big game in school uh, I would get hey you guys come to my house like let's go we'll, we'll get through this We'll go through it. We'll rock it and every year people would come to my house and then we would walk up there We'd all pay our five dollars and uh, every year I, I just you know I, I was like hey, it's right next door to me, right? I would project such confidence Uh, But if you've ever been to a haunted house, you know there's that moment when you get right there and there's that door. That's like enter if you dare type of a door. Five years in a row, five years in a row, $25 later, I would pay my $5, I'd wait 30 minutes in line and I'd get to that door. You guys, and I, we have a lot in common, we both have never been to this haunted house. Uh, I have never, ever gone inside of this haunted house. Five years in a row, I projected such confidence, trying to impress all the girls, and every year I walked away in shame. It's projecting something that I'm like, homeboy, don't do this stuff. And uh, and so even still, when Ava wants to watch a scary movie, I'm like, good for you, I'll be sleeping. Uh, and so... Uh, but that's kind of human nature, isn't it? <laughs> like to get serious for, for a quick second, uh, maybe thirty seconds, thirty minutes. But uh, is we project a lot of confidence at times, don't we? <laughs> we project a lot of things that, that that when we when it comes time to actually get to the door, we're like, uh-oh. <laughs> like we project, I'm such a patient person until something requires patience. <laughs> we we project, hey, I care, I care about sexual purity until. Oh, she looks fly. <laughs> I project that I'm such, I'm such a great dad until my kid is like a nightmare and it's like... Oh. I project that I'm so good with finances until... a knee, you, you get it? We project certain things that, that when it comes time for the rubber to meet the road, all of a sudden it comes time to enter if you dare, and we don't because we've been faking and projecting. When God has asked us as Christians to magnify His name. Magnifying His name is not, is not being a fake. Magnifying His name is to understand the character of God. And not get so lost in the future, but to trust who holds the future that every single step, I'm just magnifying the name of God. I'm just magnifying the name of God. I'm just magnifying the name of God. I'm taking a step of faith, step of faith, step of faith and projecting not my character that is not always there in the moment, but I'm projecting and magnifying the name of God in the moment as I take a step of faith. That is what God has asked us to do, to enter if you dare to be the one that is a beacon of hope, a beacon of love, a beacon of kindness, And so the question for us is, as a Christian, you are always magnifying something. Is it the true and living God or is it a false God? You're magnifying something. Is it good or is it bad? Does it represent God or does it not? And that's a question for all of us to chew on. But then on the flip side of that same exact coin, as you and I learn to magnify God with every step, to walk a step of faith, here's where we also find that our God is a magnifying God. (laughs) That as I take a step and I'm like, God, I'm gonna be generous. I'm gonna give my five loaves and two fish Like that little boy that gave five loaves and two fish to Jesus. And what did my Jesus do? He magnified it on the mountainside and fed 5,000 people. That my God can take my little step of faith, my little step of faith, my little step of faith, and he can magnify it to a place of doing immeasurably more than I could ever dream of. And so what's being magnified in your life? Is it the God that can do immeasurably more? Is it what I can do in my own strength? And so we're going to jump back in into Ruth chapter 2. Uh, you can Google uh, Ruth ESV. You can go to the weekly rundown and find Ruth there. Uh, it will also be on the screens, but I'm also going to tell the story from time to time. So you follow along in Ruth chapter 2. But if you weren't here last week, uh, it was a doozy. Because uh, Ruth and Naomi, uh, or Naomi and uh, Elimelech, they're having a hard time. Uh, they go to a, a pagan land because there's no food in their land and they were struggling. So they go to a pagan land that they weren't supposed to do and uh, all the dudes died, uh, and so, uh, so then Naomi is left with uh, two daughters-in-law, and they hear, hey, Israel has some food. Let's go back to Israel. Uh, one of the daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law said, okay, I'm going to stay. Uh, the other one comes, Ruth, uh, and so Ruth and Naomi, what we're going to see today, they're now in the nation of Israel, but they don't have any dudes in their life, which is a big deal in ancient Israel, and so what are they to do? They're trusting God, but There's that moment. I trust God, but I also have to take a step of faith. And that's where the rubber literally meets the road. And so let's pick it up with me in Ruth uh, chapter uh, two. It says, now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man. And when I was reading this again this week, I I stopped there because I was like, man, if you guys were ever gonna talk about Wellspring Church, and you were like, yeah, there's this dude named Jason, comma." That's the title I want. (laughs) I want to live such a life that people could describe me as a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name uh, was Boaz. Uh, and Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, uh, let me go. So this is a daughter-in-law. This is the younger girl in the scene, uh, this, this young person of, uh, of really kind of a newfound faith. Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him who, in whose sight I shall find favor. I don't know where I'm going. But I trust in advance that my God is going to show me favor before I even know if favor is to be had. And Naomi said, go, my daughter. So she set out and and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come. Say happened. Happened. Happened to come. Oh, just so happened that she was at a part of the field belonging to who? Boaz. And she doesn't know Boaz right now but you and I get this little little hint in the story that this is a big deal. Who was of the clan of Elimelech. Oh, a family member of the father-in-law who had passed away. And so he's somebody that's positioned to do something about the current situation that they're in. And it just so happened that Ruth finds herself in the field of somebody who can help. She took a step of faith I have no food, so I'm, I'm gonna do something. I'm gonna do, I, I'm, I'm gonna find favor. I'm going to go out and do something and I'm gonna find favor. And, and how does that work? Like, how does it work to take a step of faith and then have God work through it? Because is it, is it my job to take the step of faith? Is it God's job? Can, does God need me to take it? How does it all work together? I don't know, but I know it does. <laughs> that we take a step, God meets us in that step. And here's what's happening with Ruth as she does that thing. We need food, so I'm not just going to pray, God, give me food. I'm gonna go do the thing and watch God move as I do the thing. And the thing in that day and age is something that you and I aren't used to. We have some farms in, uh, where'd you go, Emery's or whatever it was yesterday and found, got a pie. Uh, there's some farms in New Jersey, but we don't have a system like they had a system where God designed for people to still have dignity, but also for those that were rich and wealthy, a lot of crops in that day and age, to help those that couldn't help themselves, to give them a way to help themselves by leaving the the edges of the field unreaped, ungleaned. Leave it out there so that people could come onto the land, get their own food, provide for themselves, and then go home and and have, have a meal. You were supposed to do that. You were supposed to show kindness to those that didn't have a means of, of, of providing for themselves. Leave some of the parts of the field for those people. And so Ruth is doing that, what is culturally acceptable for her to go onto somebody's field and take from the edges. And so there it is. She's helping herself. God, we're gonna see this. God is providing. So, so is, God, is God providing? Is Ruth providing? Is Boaz providing? Yes. It's all of it. God is meeting, meeting this woman because it just so happened. It just so happened. Have you been there where you kind of like, it just, like you've said something like that? It just so, you know what just so happened? It just so happened that, uh, I don't know, a handful of years ago, uh, my dad went into a friendlies. It just so happened that my mom was the waitress. <laughs> and he fell in love. It just so happened that I was born into a, a Christian household. <laughs> It just so happened that the 90s, like Ruth chapter one, was a really hard decade for us. It just so happened that my mom was like, hey, my boy's a train wreck, so let's find a new church with a, with a youth program and, uh, and get them into a youth ministry. Just so happened that at that same church a few years later, uh I went from kinda like seeing that like hey there's a guy on the stage and I don't connect with him at all and like I don't relate and like it just is he's just like so holy, holy, holy uh to somebody that was still holy, 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 but like oh man, that's a human being. He puts his pants on just like I do. I can relate to this guy uh, and show me like, man, I might have a place in ministry. And so I was in that youth ministry. It just so happened that when I was on a youth trip, I had a call. Uh, I felt like God was leading me to, to start a church. It just so happened uh, that God, because of this pastor there, led me to Taylor University. But it just so happened that Taylor University was very expensive. In three semesters in, I found that I can't afford this place. But it just so happened that at that exact same time that my pastor from New Hampshire took a church in Freehold, New Jersey, and needed somebody to run the youth program. So it just so happened that I found a school in the Philadelphia area, transferred there, did a one-year internship with this pastor in Freehold, New Jersey. Just so happened that God took somebody with absolutely no experience and blew up that ministry. Just so happened that, you know what, got a little ahead of myself and ran away from God for a little bit. It just so happened that I went down to Virginia and found my way back to God. It just so happened that at just that time, as just as I was turning my life back to Jesus, just so happened that the brother of that same pastor had an opening at a church of 900 people that you would need a master's degree to even get a foot in the door. Just so happened that he gave me a call and said, hey, I saw what you did for my brother. Would you, would you be interested in a youth job? I was like, do you know I have one year experience and D's get degrees? Yeah, would you come and do this? Got hired there. Just so happened that there was a, a vacant uh, position as, as senior pastor then a, a few years later. Just so happened they brought in a guy who cared about church planting. Just so happened that he prayed me into this ministry, and I said no. And he's like, "Just pray about it." I was like, "Well, I, you're my boss. I have to." Uh, and Ava was like, "I'm not praying," but then she did. And uh, just so happened that, just so happened that I get to stand here with a mic, as one very underqualified, with an overqualified God. What's your just so happened story? Where has God been maybe working out these these situations? Because here's what I believe with all of my heart. That you're not at Wellspring by accident. Whether this is your family, or whether this is day one, or whether you're just like, "Hey, I've been I've been on the fence for years. I don't I don't really, honestly care what the situation is, but what I know whatever the situation that got you here or viewing there, that you're here because God has worked out a whole bunch of situations in your life, whether you want to admit it or not, that brings you to this very moment. Whether it's hardship, whether it's highs, whether it's lows, whether it's everything in between, that brings you to this very moment. And so, what do we do? I understand God is orchestrating these moments, but does that mean I'm supposed to stand paralyzed and just let God do his thing? That I'm not supposed to take a step of faith? No, what you and I see in this moment as we see God orchestrating events is that God meets us as we take steps of faith. We're not to be paralyzed or to neutralize God's God's responsibility, what God does, but rather we keep taking steps of faith and we'll one day tell a story of it just so happened. As I took that step, God did that. And the story now continues with, with Boaz coming back onto the scene and looking at the he's like, whoa, 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 who's that girl? What's she doing here? And, and the servants are all like, well, that's, that's, uh, that's Ruth. Uh, you remember Ruth? And like, she, she came from this Moabite land, this pagan, pagan people. She's a foreigner. Uh, but she asked if she could do this. And so we said yes. And she's been working hard all day, maybe took like one break. And, uh, and so she's, she's been busting it. And Boaz is like, oh, okay. Well, make sure you give her the best of the best. Don't get in her way. Make sure she gets the best portions of the field. Oh, and by the way, the water that's reserved for you and not for other people, uh, make sure she also gets uh, that water. Boaz sees this woman, hears of this woman, and and then goes above and beyond for this woman. In a day and age where rich men that own fields could either one, take advantage and do very bad things to people and abuse people, or at best, just ignore them. He goes a step further and loves on this woman for no reason in her mind of why. In fact, she she says as much. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why, why have I found favor in your eyes? Oh, I prayed it, I expected it, but now I'm in that moment where I am finding favor and it's overwhelming me that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? I'm a nobody on the, on the social scale, and you're a somebody. But Boaz answered, all that, I have, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband was, has been fully told to me. Oh, Ruth, you as a human aren't known, but your character is. I know of you. And how you left your father and your mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given to you by whom? The Lord. That Boaz right here in this moment sees that what he is doing for her is not him doing for her, but the Lord working things for her good. That the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And Ruth is overwhelmed by this, overwhelmed by the kindness being shown to her. And then Boaz goes a step forward step forward. He gives her wine at the meal, a common courtesy, a kindness. He, he, he says, hey, at the end of the day, make sure she has all the food, enough food that you, she could probably feed her and Naomi, her mother-in-law, for seven weeks on this one day of food that, that he's giving to her. At the end of the day, she has enough food to overwhelm the house, and, he's, and, he's, and she's being shown so much kindness. Oh, and he's telling his workers, let her keep coming back and never give her a hard time. He protects her. He cares for her. He, she took initiative. Her character went before her, and it was her character that Boaz is impressed with. She has no rights. She has no standing, and on paper, she has no hope. She's the lowest person on the social ladder, and yet Boaz, who stands at the highest uh, part of that social ladder, sees her, sees her character and wants to do something about it. And he actually sees that God is the one helping her through him, that God cares for his people. It might physically be Boaz doing a work and taking a step, but he sees it, we see it through the text, that it's God. God providing and protecting. Is Boaz God? By no means. Let me be clear. Boaz is not God, but here's what he is like. God. He is God-like. He's God-like in that. Hey, remember remember that verse from Romans? While we were still sinners, what did Christ do for us? He died for us. So in that place where we're offering nothing to God, what does he do? He offers us everything. What is Ruth offering to Boaz? Absolutely nothing. She's actually just on paper, a nuisance. On paper, all she's doing is taking from Boaz. And what does he keep doing? Giving, 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 giving. Isn't that just like my God? Protecting, providing for this woman who is a foreigner and should culturally have none of this. What did Boaz withhold from her? Absolutely nothing. Her and Naomi are completely satisfied, lacking nothing. It just so happened that Donna Bell um, was going through a hardship up in North Jersey, heavily involved in her church, uh, doing all the right things, but life would have its way. And it never got to that point where she was like, oh God, like, ah, but just stayed faithful step by step. Had to move away from North Jersey just so happened that her realtor was like, hey, how about a house in Bayville? And she goes, Bayville? What's Bayville? Oh, Where's that? Oh, there's a house. Oh, okay. So single mom now moves her three kids to Bayville, New Jersey. Just so happened, right? Just so happened that her kid and my kid are the same age. It just so happened when she left her church community and now in desperate need of church community in an area where she has no friends, no family, nothing. It just so happened that we share a bus stop. It just so happened that I, in the morning, am not really friendly. Uh, I, I can wake up early and, and like enjoy life, but I ain't going to talk. Just so happened that Ava, the friendly one, was there to make friends. <laughs> just so happened that she started coming to this church. Just so happened that her son saved $5,000 to buy a used car. But do you know the used car market right now? will get you a pull wagon. Uh, And so they haven't had uh, much luck. And so it's just this one moment where she's like, hey, we found this Jeep. It's old. Uh, Do you know anybody that could look at it for me? Like, I don't know anything about cars. Do you know anything about cars? I was like, yeah, I think like every few miles you're supposed to change uh, like the oil or something. But usually the light tells me, uh, oh, wait, but I know this guy named Mike. Just so happens that he fixed every car owned by the town of New, uh, Tom's River in the last for the last thirty years because that was his job, the head of all of it. Just so happens he's really smart with cars. So I text him, and I was like, hey, there's this family in need, a mom, and a son. The son wants to get a job and do the right thing and take those steps of faith, all of that. Hey, could you look at this car? It's a Jeep. And he, he shoots back this text message uh, like, oh, yeah, Jeeps, they have this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. I was like, okay, you're using words I don't understand, but this is why I'm texting you. So is the answer yes? Uh, and so, like, we get them in contact, and it just so happened that Mike got there before Donna Bell and her son and that before Donna Bell even needed to get out of the car, he was like, yeah, there's an exhaust problem. I've already been under the car. Uh, and this, you would have just blown $5,000 had you purchased this car. Just so happened that all those connections worked together to protect this single mom and her kid. And so if you know of a car that under $5,000 or less that is highly reliable uh, for a kid trying to do the right thing, email info at wellspring.one. Seriously? Uh, but here are people... Showing kindness, bearing with each other's burdens, willing to be present when there is a need present, to get under a car and to help out. Not just to say, like, oh man, that sounds terrible. Let me pray for you. Not to say, hey, I don't, oh, you know what? Uh, I'll throw $25. So now it's 5025 <laughs> But I have a skill set. I have something that I can do. And so I'm going to be present and I'm going to do the thing to help you out. That's what it means to be the church. That's what it means to be somebody that's walking step by faith, step by faith, step by faith, magnifying the character of God is that we show up and show off our God as we bear with each other's burdens, reflecting not the goodness of Jason, not the goodness of Wellspring, not the goodness of the person that sits in your seat, but the goodness of our Lord and Savior who is there for us when we need, and he works through his people. So Ruth gleans all day. She comes home. She feeds Naomi. Everybody eats, and, and and Naomi's like, yo, girl. I don't know if that's how she said it, but that's that's the infliction in the Hebrew. Like, yo, girl, where'd you been? And she's like, I was at this dude, Boaz's field. I don't think she said dude, but she said dude. And, uh, and I was at this dude, Boaz's field. Like, And, and she was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Did you say Moaz? And this is what she actually says. And Naomi said to her daughter in law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness. Oh, you may not know the Hebrew word here, but the Hebrew word is hesed. If you've been around the church for any amount of time, you have to understand that this is a very important word. Uh, his 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 whose hesed kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. And Naomi said, to "Her, this man, this man, the, the man is close is a close relative of ours. One of our redeemers." And and then she goes on to tell Ruth, like, hey, stay close to this man. Keep cleaning in his field. Don't go to any other fields that he is the one that you need to stay put there. Other men can abuse you. Other men can hurt you. You need to stay right here. He's one of our close relatives, and Ruth does that. That's how the chapter ends, that Ruth stays there all during harvest, working hard. Naomi is pointing out something that would not make sense to you and I, that this man Boaz, is a kingsman redeemer, somebody that in their culture, because if if you're if the person that the man dies in the family, the woman is up the creek. And so God worked a system where that that if your husband dies, that to keep the name of the husband alive and to protect the woman, that there was a family obligation to marry among the in-laws to protect. To provide. Again, we don't really understand this language. My kids read Ruth two weeks ago. It's, it's like if daddy died and Uncle John the married mommy, huh? Like, okay, we don't, it doesn't make sense. Let's just move on. It's confusing. Different day and age. I get it. But it's very important for them and very important for us that not only does Boaz represent hope because of who he is and his position in the family, but also because he's showing what? Hesed kindness. He's not just a family member, he's somebody that embodies the purest form of godly love. Loyalty, devotion, faithfulness, kindness, love. These are this, this word Hesed love, Hesed kindness is always used in, in relationship to God Almighty. But here it's being used as somebody who represents God Almighty. So Ruth, stay there. He, he gives you future hope, and he also gives you hope in this very moment. Now, I was thinking about this, like, yeah, it was weird to kind of explain this to my kids, like, ah, oh, that doesn't really make sense, dad. Uh, but I was like, it doesn't really make sense in my life either. Uh, and so what I was thinking about, though, is when it comes to this kinsman redeemer, who's that unassuming person that showed up in your life and assumed a great position for God? Who's that person in your life that you, man, you, you thought you were waiting for the next best thing, but God gave you the best thing that you never saw coming. And that was me. I kind of showed you my little, like, it just so happened bit. For me, that will always be a kinsman redeemer of sorts in my life will always be Pastor David Ritter. Because there I was, uh, in that time where there was a vacancy at my church back in the day, it got down where the search committee, uh, because like good Baptists, they always had uh, committees. uh, And so there was a committee to find a pastor. And uh, and so there they were. They narrowed it down to two people. And there was the one guy that I really wanted. I knew him personally, like hire this guy, hire this guy. And then there was David Ritter. Now it wasn't like I was saying, don't hire this guy, but I was like, I like this guy. And they went another direction. And I was a little frustrated by that. But then I look back and I'm like, if God had gone with the other guy, I'd probably still be a youth pastor. And that'd be fun and all, but I got some grays now they don't respect me. My kids don't. I'm just, I digress. But it was Pastor Ritter that saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. It was Pastor Ritter that said, hey, we need to plant churches up and down the Garden State Parkway and reach more people for the gospel through starting new churches. It was Pastor Ritter that said, hey, will you pray about it? It was me that said no. and Then he was like, no, I'm serious. And I was like, okay, I got it. And then go home to Abe, and Abe was like, no, but then, okay, we got it. And we did. It was Pastor Ritter that was there when we went to a four-day thing and Abe and I were in a worship a worship set and we just really separately but together in that moment felt like God was telling us to do this. And then leaving that worship step, going out into the hallway, praying together, crying together, and Pastor Ritter was just like, they looked like they needed some pastoral love. <laughs> and he walks over and he prays with us and that just started a ball rolling, 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 rolling because somebody that I never saw coming saw something in me that now I get to be the one that is so underqualified with an overqualified God. And this all exists because a kinsman redeemer type spoke into my life and I heard him. Who's that kinsman redeemer type in your life? It just so happened that this person showed up. Maybe this person is offering your help, but you're waiting for the next best thing. You're waiting for X, Y, and Z when the person is right there in front of you offering a hand from God himself through people. That you're disregarding somebody because, oh, I I want my, no, who is right before you? Or, Or maybe that's you. Maybe you're here in this moment. You know that you're sitting in this seat and you have so much to offer. Why aren't you? You could be that next best thing that no one sees coming for somebody else. Will you do it? Or maybe you're on another side of that same coin where you're like, man, God stinks, God's inactive, all while you're isolating, 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 isolating. When God wants to show up and show off in your life, but you're isolating, isolating, Isolating and blaming God as you keep taking step back, step back, step back. What would it look like to be a part of a family that loves God and loves being God-like in people's lives? Now, to, again, let's be clear. I'm not God. You're not God. You cannot be. Stop trying to be God in somebody else's life. But do try to reflect the character of God in somebody's life. Our big thought is, is nothing catchy. It's not gonna be, you're not gonna tweet it out and be like, oh, my pastor is so bad. It's none of that. Real simple, this passage. We are to magnify the king. If you call on Jesus Christ as Lord and savior, every step that you take, we magnify our king. What do I learn about my God? I learn that my God orchestrates events. What do I learn about my God as I study his word? That my God blesses people that that, that are down and out, that are vulnerable. That my God blesses people that won't bless him back or worship him back. My God is faithful. My God is steadfast. My God is loyal. I learn those things about the character of my God. And now as I take step after step after step, I want to reflect all of that in somebody else's life. As I look at that character and I want to magnify that in my own life, that means I have to build margin in my budget. I can't hide behind, oh, money's just really tight. Let me pray for you. No, I don't actually wanna build margin in my budget to show up for people. Oh, that sounds like, oh man, that stinks for you. I really wish somebody could help uh, uh, rake your leaves for you. It stinks that you broke your leg. I'll pray for you. Or build margin in your life where you can actually show up and do something. That my God goes on the aggressive. And my God isn't hiding behind, guys, I'm busy. I'm really orchestrating the whole universe right now. So uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Then he goes on the aggressive. He goes and he's unreasonable with his love, unreasonable with his hospitality, unreasonable with his kindness. All of these things that why would he do it to me? I do not know, but he does. He shows up and he treats me like I'm the only one in the world in a room full of people that know that love of his. So what are you doing to magnify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? I wanna close with a story on video of a lady that experienced the goodness of God through a group of people and watched God move. Check out this story.
1: Hi, my name is Lisa and I'd love to tell you something that recently happened that God has done in my life. My youngest child is Kenny, he's 23. He went to the Navy right after high school a few years ago, he was deployed twice to the Persian Gulf. The last time was during COVID. So they were quarantined on the ship for almost a year. Um, it caused a lot of depression within the sailors. There was a couple of suicides and my son had suffered a lot of PTSD issues. He decided to self-medicate by drinking. He got um, sent to a rehab by the Navy for which he left after to two or three days. So the Navy discharged him. He stayed where he was stationed in in Washington State and he stayed with a friend, one of his shipmates. He got a DUI and was spiraling. I went out there to visit him in March. The first two days were great. He showed me around, we went to dinner. The third night he started drinking and he's not a nice drunk. He's angry, he's combative and that's what he was doing to me to the point where I actually felt for my safety. I had to leave and stay in a hotel that night and I went home the next day. I found out that the following day from his roommate called me and told me that Kenny packed his things up and moved to Corpus Christi, Texas, where another one of his shipmates was living. He got another DUI, his second one. He spent a few days in jail. He called me and told me, I I tried to, you know, Talk to him about his foundation, which we were going to um, Bayside for years before Wellspring. In fact, pa- Pastor Jason was his youth group uh, leader. And he, he really had a good has a good foundation of Jesus being in, in our lives and be, in our Savior. I would talk to him about it and he would say, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Really, what if it was penetrating? If he was, he was actually thinking along those lines. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't tell. He was in a bad place. So, I found out that um, after the next day, I called and he told me that um, he was moving again, and he was moving in um, with another friend because this other friend this first friend kicked him out i had i called him up and he was drunk and being very combative over the phone which of course upset me so the next day i wrote him i texted him a long text explaining that i had to put up some healthy boundaries to protect my own emotional well-being because it was extremely upsetting to see my son this way and just so angry at me for all his mistakes and bad choices. He um, never responded. Week went by, two weeks went by. I'm texting him, I'm calling, I'm getting his just right to his voicemail. My other children, whom they're all close, all my children are close, they had been texting him and trying to get in touch with him. His own roommate called me and said, I can't get in touch with him and you know, we're best friends. So I had found out that he just packed up and left un from this roommate unannounced just packed his stuff up and was gone so now we don't know where my son is needless to say i was distraught i i prayed every single day every minute almost it seemed like jesus please put your hands on on kenny let him feel you let him know that you he, he you got him you're in his you know he's in your hands let him feel that I, I never shared it with anybody in church. I just kept it to myself, hoping it would get better. I was hoping we'd find him. And and, and six weeks went by and I'm sitting in um, my life group, the Thursday women's life group led by Christy Meadows. And I didn't plan this, but at the end of our, our session, she always says, does anybody need prayer? And it just flowed right out. I raised my hand and I said, I just started crying. And I explained what was going on with my son. Chrissy prayed this, we all, with all of us, we all prayed. They put their hands on me. We all prayed the same prayer that I had been praying let Kenny feel Jesus. His, let Kenny rely on Jesus, know that this is who he has to lean on to, to, to fight this addiction and get himself back on track. That was a Thursday. After six weeks, this was a Thursday. Sunday morning, actually Sunday afternoon, I was on the boardwalk in Seaside Heights with my two granddaughters. Going, they were going on rides. My phone rings, I look at it. I don't recognize the number, so I don't answer it. Three seconds later, I get a text. Hi, mom, it's Kenny. I almost fell to my knees. I, 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 knew, I knew in my heart that my prayers were going to be answered however I didn't think that quickly. I, I called him up quick, I called him back up real quick and he sounded awesome. He said, Mom, I'm leaning on Jesus. I, I remembered how we always you know, would talk about how Jesus' plan, and, and it's not always our plan, but if we, if we need in him in any way, and, and whatever we, for whatever we need, we need to talk to him and lean on him. And he was doing that. And I, I just started crying. I said, oh my gosh, that's what I've been praying for, Kenny. That's what we've all been praying for. I am so happy. He said, I just came from church. I feel great. I said, where are you living? And he said, in a Christian fellowship home. If that isn't proof positive that God has us, that God answers our prayers, he hears us, I don't know what else would be. This is, this is just, it was just the, the most awakening thing that I, I, I just felt this overall, yes, he does have us.
0: We're going to uh, close with the song uh, "Same God." The same God that worked in the lives of Ruth and Naomi, through Boaz, is the same God working today. The same God working in the life in the life of Lisa in that life group is the same God working and that wants to work in your life. And so, here's my challenge for you before we go to this closing song. It's a twofold challenge. The first being is I know that some of you guys have walked in here and you've been on the fence or maybe you wanted to be in a life group but we didn't have the life groups for you and uh, but we've added some new life groups and so uh, there are life groups for moms there's life groups for women apparently that's a good time and uh, they travel well Uh, and so uh, my wife has a life group on Wednesdays we have a life group on Tuesdays we have a life group in Barnegat on Fridays there there are so many amazing life groups right now that uh, maybe you don't feel the presence of God. Maybe you don't feel the care of God, but I'm gonna ask this. Is it perhaps because you've been isolating? You doesn't, maybe you don't think of it as isolation, but perhaps it's part of that isolation. And so I wanna challenge you to get into a life group here and now on your way out. But then I wanna challenge our life group leaders. Be Boaz in your group's life. Be that person that will prayer, pray for them. Be that person that will show up and care. Be that person that will be present when they need God's presence. That's the type of life group leaders we need here in this place. Here's a cookie. I love you. Let's cry together. (laughs) More of those life group leaders. And so I'm gonna pray. And then if you guys, actually, could you guys stand? Let me pray for you, for us. And then let's sing this song. God, we give you this moment, Father. We celebrate that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Father, we hear the stories of back in the day, and we need it today. And so, Father, we, we, we give you our lives over and over and over again. And, Father, speak to us now through this song. And, Father, uh, if we're isolating, Father, I pray that you would move us to the people that have your presence in them, to feel and to know your presence. We love you, Jesus, in your name, amen. Let's sing.